0: Welcome to Journaling with Nature, the podcast for those who want to turn curiosity into wonder, a pencil sketch into a rabbit hole of discovery, a moment of stillness into a life full of joy. I'm your host, Bethan Burton. Let's open the pages of our nature journals and explore this world together. Hello, this is episode 87. First thing I want to do is give a huge thank you to those who support the podcast on Patreon. I had a new supporter join us this week, and I'm deeply grateful to you. And also a huge thank you to those who have given donations to Journaling with Nature through PayPal. These financial pledges mean that I can continue with this work. If you don't know what Patreon is, it's a platform where people can support creators that are producing work that they love. So if you're a regular listener, you might pledge, for example, $1 per episode, or even as little as $1 per month. This small amount means a whole lot, because along with the contributions of other listeners, it goes to help cover the costs involved in producing, recording, and hosting the podcast, and it means I can continue creating these podcasts every week. So if you aren't already a supporter, please consider joining us on Patreon. You can find the link in the show notes for this episode. And once again, thank you so much to everyone who's supporting the show. It really does mean the world. Today's guest is educator and artist Molly Tori. Molly's story is a really interesting one. She was born in the United States and now lives in the United Arab Emirates. In our conversation, we talked about the disorientation that Molly felt when she and her family moved to their new home in a new country with a new landscape and different natural rhythms. It was nature journaling that allowed Molly to start to understand her new landscape and to make connections with all the different flora and fauna that she was surrounded by. Molly has started the Abu Dhabi Nature Journal Club and is starting to build a community of nature lovers keen to use journaling to connect with nature in her city. In our conversation, we spoke about these things and many more. Let's listen. Molly, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Beth, and I'm so pleased and just so excited to be part of what you're doing.
0: That's so sweet. And I can't wait to hear your story and listen as it unfolds. And as you know, I always begin with a description of my guests' early nature experiences. And I wonder if nature was a part of your childhood.
1: Yes, it was. And I'm so thankful for it. Um, I grew up in the northeastern part of the U.S., in the United States, and yeah, my family lived in a little, it's like a cape-style house, is what you call it. It's like two stories on about three quarters of an acre, so not very big, but um, one part of it was cleared, and then, like, the other two parts of it were wood, uh, woods, forest, Um And that was like the setting of just so many (laughs) adventures with my sister. I have one sister who's two years younger than me. And we were just so lucky to be able to spend so much time in all seasons. There's four seasons where we grew up, um, just always outside. There was a hill for sledding or sliding, as some people call it in the snow. And then there are autumn leaves to play in. And there are all kinds of places to make forts and play pretend. Um, And I actually remember some of my favorite playing pretend um, themes and stories came from books. I was thinking about it um, the other day, um, just the different things (laughs) that I would pretend I was a character or I would force my sister to be different (laughs) characters. <laughs> um, but a lot of them had to do with just being outside and living off the land, and um, a lot of them had to do with yeah adventures. One of them was my side of the mountain. I don't know if you're familiar with this story. I don't know that one. Tell me, tell me.
0: What yeah. It was
1: about. So it's about it's about a boy that ran away. Actually, so that part is not like a positive role model experience. <laughs> but he ran away to the Catskill Mountains and the book is just rich with so many descriptions of how he used things to make a shelter and found food. And he had this Falcon that he learned to like hunt, like he trained it basically. Um, but it's all very like realistic. Like it could have actually happened. I think some of it might be based on a true story. Um, but I was totally just infatuated with this idea of living off the land and, um, and I think some other, some of like the more classic stories too, like of um, Little House on mm-hmm. the Prairie and um, let's see, some shows, TV shows like Lassie, like the old black yes. and white Lassie <laughs> used to be on one of the channels we had. And that also had just a bit of, you know, a boy and his dog and going off on adventures. So that often made it into my imaginary play in our backyard.
0: That's so Sweet and so exciting, and it you've reminded me of something that I used to do with my family, which is that we used to play the famous five. It's an Ooh. Enid Blyton story. Do oh, you know this? Yes, one? yes. It's some kids, and they just roam around with their dog, and I can't even remember much about it. But I remember playing the famous five and going out into the into the paddocks with my family and my grandmother and. Yeah, this, this whole idea of, like, nature play inspired by literature is something really quite quite deep, isn't it?
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: I love those stories. Tell me about creativity in your young life. Has creativity always been with you too?
1: Yeah. Um, I I just remember being, when I was inside, there were books and art supplies. Um, mm-hmm. And the art stuff, it wasn't always... Um, It was just kind of things I picked up on my own, just even simple things like coloring books that you pick up at Mm -hmm. the grocery store, hours just using crayons um, and watercolors and markers. Um, I also went to a a public school where there was an art program once a week, which was really special to me. Um, And I think that often fed more ideas for myself. And I particularly remember and have, at my dad's house where I grew up, there are some samples of my childhood artwork and rainbows were a very prominent theme. Um, and I just met a little girl here in my city that she was doing everything in rainbows. And it made me think of that, about my, um, like what that is about it. Like we're just arranging the crayons, even like in the rainbow, it's just so satisfying that it's set up that way. And I'm seeing your your color wheel and color text yes. behind you. And, <laughs> So it's just so fun to to still see that rainbows are, yeah, just so awe-inspiring still to this day for me. That's so cool.
0: Did Do you remember, so you remember creating rainbows? Mm-hmm. Do you remember being inspired by seeing rainbows? Was that something you used to watch out for as a girl?
1: Yep, I remember rainbows. I remember being afraid of thunder and lightning too and mm-hmm. my dad and I think my mom, but I most remember my dad helping us figure out like how to count after the the lightning to hear the thunder and then all usually in the summers there might be a rainbow like you could see from we lived on a hill and so we had a great view after a storm would go by to see if there was a rainbow somewhere. And that was just I think that was part of him, you know, helping me calm my fears. But the rainbows, yeah, I definitely remember looking for them, drawing them, wanting to understand (laughs) How does that happen? Um, which, yeah, and playing with prisms. I think we did that mm-hmm. in some school classes. Just remember being totally amazed by those things. And so you studied wildlife ecology at university. Tell me about this next step.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Oh, my gosh. It was so much fun. Um, I went into university with kind of a more general biology degree, because I, I had some, you know, in my teenage years, I had some battle like about, um, should I go to try to go to art school? Or should I, you know, do this other love of mine, which is science and nature. And so I chose the science route. um, But I always tried to fit in art and creativity whenever Mm -hmm. I could. Um, But how about I think it was my first year I decided I wanted to do something more specialized with nature. And so our university had a um, department of natural resources and you could choose from forestry, water resource management, um, general conservation studies or wildlife biology. It was called wildlife management actually. Um, When I took it, I think they might've changed it. Yeah, so the wildlife um, program was, it was more of an intensive study about the habitats and ecology and wildlife of like, generally our, our region of the US. Um, But it was, we just had amazing field trips, and had to learn like all the common bird species, all the um, trees and shrubs, and we just had so much time outside, learning from amazing people that just loved what they're doing. And, and, and there's just a special community in that too. I think it was a a really special time in my life in many different ways, but, um, I just feel so lucky to have had the chance to do that. <laughs> um, yeah. And some of my, yeah, some of my favorite memories were just from going out and birding, um, with a group and just all by the end of the semester, all of us just being total nerds about, this what we're seeing <laughs> and wanting to spend like all of our money from part-time jobs on buying a scope or like <laughs> um so it was just it was amazing it was amazing to to be in community with people learning um, at that level and so after I got through some of the harder parts of my course I had some extra electives and I dove and in, back into art studies and was able to take some painting and drawing and I actually took an art, an elementary art education course, which was kind of just a a whim, but it it got me involved in a school nearby where I did some observation hours. And then, after I graduated, they hired me for some part-time teaching, and then it eventually became full-time. So I taught art at a small school um, for four years before we had our first um, son. And that was just kind of a really, amazing transition in my life to be able to incorporate some of those things not necessarily use my degree there was a little bit of guilt um, from me not really from anybody else thankfully Mm -hmm. Um, and i in between those things i did i was able to to work at some environmental education day camps with um, the audubon society in our area in our region Um, But a lot of those things were part-time. I was trying to figure out how can I still do both of these things that I love? And then adding the education piece became another passion. Um, So, yeah, all those things kind of melded together in my my 20s. Mm.
0: So tell me about this really big life change that you made when you moved from the United States to the United Arab Emirates.
1: Yeah. So my husband, like I mentioned, we met, well, I didn't mention it yet, but we were both in the the Department of Natural Resources in university. That's where we met. And he studied water resource management. Um, And he had a couple different jobs after graduation for the government and for the state. But um, we just started learning a lot about the global water crisis. And he decided he'd like to be part of the solution, use his skills to be a consultant Um, so we part of our moving was to be in a place that was closer to areas where there were higher needs for development Um, and so we're located not necessarily in a in a country that needs that um, but it's a centralized location so that he can get to the different areas where he needs to if he needs to travel and being able to consult remotely from some of those locations Um, so it was a big move. Our kids were four, they were five and seven. Our first two boys were five and seven when we moved. Um, and so, and then our, our third son was born here. He's eight now. Um, so this is our ninth year uh, living here. And yeah, so that, that whole part of the transition is, um, it's It's hard on yourself, but you also kind of walk your kids through it so it's like you get it twice all those transitions yeah. and and things um, the The nature part of the move was really um, kind of a deep part of my journey because we came from the northeast u s where it's four seasons like really cold winters, snow, beautiful summers with beach and green and We came to the desert, which now I know has its own beauty (laughs) and we really do love it. And it's 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 going to have a place in our hearts from here on out. But first arriving, um, especially with two little boys that you just I was just getting the hang of like, I guess, connecting with them and parenting and being outside and doing boy stuff and and homeschooling. We were we were just beginning our homeschool journey. And so a big part of that revolved around nature for me. And so Mm -hmm. to come to a place that I thought didn't have any nature was really hard (laughs) and emotional. Um, But we, once our our son, our last son was born, um, after I kind of exited the newborn stage, we began to explore um, the natural world a little bit more. I think our, the first part of our transition was, you know, logistics and, connecting with the culture and people and how do you, you know, do things you used to do, like get groceries and, um, make friends. And, but eventually after I kind of came out of that, that fog of the first year or so, um, we, we just wanted to know like how, what is, what is this place? And how can we get to know the, the beauty? We knew there, there was beauty, but we just, um, we needed to go out and explore. And so we've been doing that ever since slowly, um, Like every year, just trying something new, getting out into the actual desert, like with the sand and dunes. My husband's learned to drive um, in that. (laughs) I haven't learned that yet. That will be another journey. Um, (laughs) And getting into the mountains to hike and just figuring out, you know, what time of year to do that, like how how the seasons work. Um, It's been it's been amazing, but it's been a really long um, process of. Of feeling like we're now beginning to to connect to the actual land around us and be able to see um, the migrations of the birds what birds to expect and what is the name of, of this tree that I see um, and it blossoms some things blossom in um, like the growing season is opposite to what we were used to um it's in yes. the winter here so it's November through like around now April is when people can grow things cause it's not too hot. And so getting used to that was part of that too. This is an incredible story.
0: So your husband has no connection with the UAE historically. Is he, is he American?
1: Yes. So wow. it's like a regional hub for being able okay. to connect to other places in the world, basically. So his projects are in the middle East and sub-Saharan Africa and Southwest yep. Asia.
0: Wow so for both of you and for your children this is really you know like I'm thinking of nature journaling and how that um, helps us have new eyes to look at very familiar things in a new way and with um, surprise and delight but you literally are seeing everything new yeah so you're you're in that state of like amazement and and wonder just because everything around you is completely different from what you knew.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would say it was wonder. Some of it I think is disorienting though. Like it's yeah. Okay. It's, there's a disturbing <laughs> side of it when you don't, yeah you don't know what to expect or what to, um, I mean, you can go through your indoor life and, and live and survive yes. and, and, and connect with other humans and things, but there's something about knowing what's coming in, in the next month or um yeah yeah the the weather patterns like the the wind and the it rhythm does, it does rain sometimes yeah rhythms and mm-hmm. and seasons and how they're tied to our some of our traditions and it's really deep yeah. like it's just really it was really a deep experience to realize how much I relied on those things um as a part of yeah my identity <laughs>
0: Yeah, and probably su- subconsciously we all have these rhythms that we that we live by but don't necessarily consciously think about. Yeah. And then when you're transplanted away from that, it, yeah, disorientation sounds like a really good word for that. Mm-hmm. And now now coming back into it and trying to discover what's what's around you. I'd love to hear some stories about like actually what you see when you go out yeah. into the desert or just open the door and what do you see?
1: Yeah. So around us, we live in a neighborhood where there's, um, the parks are the greenest thing you'll see. So there's many green areas that are, you know, manicured, like it's nature, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's manicured and it's beautiful. And they do a really good job taking care of it. There's a lot of ornamental trees um, from different areas, not a lot of endemic species, but the, the, the things they've brought in from like South Africa, they can do well here. And so there's a lot of beauty in the parks, but we realized pretty early on that it wasn't the same feeling for us in nature to just be in a park. Mm-hmm. And so we, mm-hmm. we started to explore the, the seashore, like the ocean habitat here is our country's on the Arabian Gulf. And so it's, it's quieter water. It's not um, the big stormy waves and things that I was used to Um living on the Atlantic, but um, we've grown to love that too. There are mangrove forests that we kayak in and that we can just sit nearby that are really special places for us now. They're just full of birds and crabs and fish that you can like actually see and, and touch if you want. And um, that's kind of like the upfront and the, the front row seat to nature as far as I have experienced it. And then we have gone out into the desert where all you can see is sand and there are Mm. humongous dunes that are so fun to just climb on and tumble down and um, slide down Um, and they just go on and on and on and the mountains are really special too. There, most of them there is some rain here usually a couple times a year and more in the mountains actually. And so parts of the year, there will be wadis or like rivers um, running through some parts um, of the mountains that you can yeah, explore there too. And there's, there's frogs, even that was a something that was, we never expected. There's dragonflies, there's all kinds of aquatic life. Um, It's more temporary, but there's, there's Mm -hmm. so many ways they've, yeah learn to survive there and and flourish. Um, And then there's, yeah, snakes and um, scorpions and and scary things, (laughs) they have become less scary to me uh, as I've (laughs) known people that, you know, study them and go out and kind of like look for them on purpose to just, you know, understand them more. But um, we haven't seen very many on our own that have like frightened us, thankfully. so. (laughs) yeah there are there are some creepy crawlies that I've been trying to get more used to um and yeah the insects and birds I think are the things that I first kind of clued in on like oh these you know there there is there are things here that I want to know about and I see these all the time and what are they and um I want to know their names and I want to I want to see what they what they do how they behave so those are easier things to kind of take notes on and get get into my journal are the insects and birds um, and even some of the, yeah, the plant species. And there are yeah. there's a long history of people that have studied these things here. It's I mean, the country itself is only 50 years old, um, which is really amazing at, when you think about the amount of change that several generations here have gone through in that short amount of time. Mm. A lot of people, I think that I found that that have grown up here, they also feel disconnected from the land because mm. things happen so fast. But there are there are people that would that are are doing really good work to to preserve that part of the heritage. Um, and so I've just gotten connected with a few researchers, and there's a natural history group here that's like a wealth of information, um, and it made me feel like I was in college and I got to go out with them to this wetland reserve. Um, And they were, you know, walking along and just spouting off the scientific names for everything. And it made me feel like, Oh, this is, these are my people. (laughs) It was just great experience. So there is a lot of information that people have done over the years, Um, but it's not all tied together. Like it is in other places. It's not, it's not all compiled for the general public to enjoy at this point. It's starting Mm -hmm. to be, um, but so there are some field guides coming out, like there's um, a group just made one on the butterflies that live here. And there's one on the wildflowers here. Um, So those have, and there's been bird um, field guides for a while for the whole Arabian Peninsula. So those have been treasures for me um, and our family to just help us in our explorations wow
0: that is so interesting and it just brings up in my mind that your nature journal and just nature journaling in general and bringing that in is going to be something really connective something really important for um for like tying in all that information in natural history and culture that you were just talking about
1: yeah I really hope it is it it would bring me so much joy to have that be a tool that people can use to to keep learning I mean I tell people like I'm I I'm not even from here I'm just learning and so I feel like yeah. that that breaks down some um, some of the intimidation people might feel about um, I don't know just pressure to be scientific or to be even an artist I know that that's mm-hmm. um, that's a thing with, with nature mm-hmm. journaling in general just the getting over the pretty picture idea and um, but yeah, I, it would it would mean so much to me to to help people connect with that tool.
0: Well, tell me the story of how you came to nature journaling.
1: Yes, um, so I really think I came to it more through our homeschool journey when our kids were mm-hmm. small. I was reading about all the different educational methods and we did come across the Charlotte Mason method of homeschooling, which has a huge component of nature study in it. And so I, I used some of the books that were just kind of recommended, um, through Charlotte Mason groups to study nature. And we had, you know, our house had a a back, a traditional kind of backyard (laughs) with trees and grass and a stream and, um, that was when our kids were young. We were living in New Hampshire, and so it was kind of really just organic for me to to connect with my kids in that way because um, I I knew a lot. I guess is how I look back on it. Like I did know all the trees and I knew the shrubs and I knew the seasons and I knew the birds. And um, if we were playing, I could just say, "Oh, hear the you hear the red winged blackbird." You know, it just kind of came yes. out of me because I it was my um, my background and where and where I grew up too. But it really wasn't until, yeah, we, we got here and I became a learner with my kids that nature journey really took off um, for me personally as a, yeah, I mean, just so many benefits that we could talk about for hours. But um, I think the main one that stuck out to me is just helping me feel grounded here and that I, that I have a place here. You know, I, the people here have been amazing, um, the hospitality that we've experienced and the welcoming um, in social circles and neighbors and things like that has been extremely positive and amazing and more than we could have imagined. But there's still that piece of um, just having your physical place connect. And so that's um, that's how Nature Journaling has kind of come, in, come back into my life in a different way. Uh, I still continue it with our kids. Um, They're older now, like the two teenagers have their own ways that they like to do things. And I am on a journey of trying to respect that. Um, And it's, it's easy most of the time. They're, they're great and they're developing their interests, but I, I want it to be available to them as a tool. Yes. If, you know, if they want it someday, I, I would have loved to like lay a foundation of like what's possible. And so instead of like forcing them to come out with me and do it, um, I try to sneak it into our schoolwork sometimes, so I will assign them things. But what we found wonderful actually are the Nature Journal Connection videos that John mm. Muir Laws has been um, producing. I, we put one of those on, most of the school year we watched about one a week, and we would just, they, they get a chance to learn from him, and I'm kind of out of the picture but, and I'm learning. And so it was just a great fit to have an engaging video with John Muir Laws. And, um, if they want, they can go out and do the activity and, and also just kind of building that into their, their brain as a toolbox Mm -hmm. that someday, if they get to university and decide they want to, you know, study like the trees (laughs) and the birds, then they'll have all these ideas and ways to learn that. And with any subject, really, I mean, it's, The process is, yeah, just observing something closely. Mm And so it really is a great tool for all all learning.
0: Yeah. nature journaling just matches so well with education in all settings, but especially homeschool because it's so gentle, it's so flexible, it's something you can bring in piece by piece. And, yeah, I I like hearing that. I'd love to hear if you have any, like, experiences or – um tips or you know things that you encountered that were challenging or or things that were um really enriching that you went through with your kids as they were when they were young or even now as they do it bit by bit
1: yeah I think the main thing that I feel like is universal is the the drawing piece and the hesitation Mm -hmm. to um to make it look a certain way just trips people up so quickly even at such a young age um yes and so I would say that that's been a challenge. And I have just tried to use the advice of others in saying, you know, it's, it's not about the picture. It's, it's about your observations and your, your responses to what you're seeing. And if you'd rather do it in words, you can do it in words. And if you see something, you can, you can try to make it a diagram or you can trace. So trying to offer all of these other solutions that minimize that part of it and some of my kids were more into drawing than others. Like I have two that mm-hmm. really have enjoyed drawing and one that is quite skilled at it, but doesn't enjoy it. Um, and so I think, yeah, being a student of your children um, and being, letting them be who they are in, in these different contexts of learning. Nature journaling is a, a great way to, to see how they think um, as you present them with prompts and ideas. Um, I would think that most kids would would have their own way to do it. If you, if you give them the space, you know, and that's not always possible in different contexts, but with homeschooling, it often is. And so, yeah, I guess that's my advice. I mean, honestly, I feel like I'm still, every time your, your child goes through a developmental stage, you have to, you know, adapt as a parent. And so I'm definitely still learning how to um how to connect and and join them in their educational journey as they become a little bit more independent it's a scary stage to have have teenagers but I'm really thankful for so much of the experience that we've been able to have together and that I could be part of that and watching them you know light up about things so yes yeah
0: that's beautiful. I love the way you phrase that about letting the nature journaling experience show you how they think and how each each one of them is different. And being the idea of being a student of your own child is very, very beautiful. And I I completely agree with that. As a parent, it's easy to go into it thinking, "Oh, my kids will be just like me," or they'll just be a little nature loving artist you know you have this idea about what your kids are going to be like and they completely surprise you and they're completely their own people and so we're constantly evolving with them and watching them and realizing that they're not what you think they're going to be but they're a complete delight and and being a student of your own child is a beautiful idea
1: yeah i think it's it's a lifelong journey
0: So now you're running nature journaling workshops with, uh, your homeschool group and other groups in the community. I'd love to hear about this, this unfolding of, of beginning to teach nature journaling.
1: Yes. It's, it's been a slow start and, and that's been intentional because I do, I do still want to be, um, around my kids and I have Mm -hmm. responsibilities to them still. So it's, it's uh intentionally slow. I'm still trying to figure out how much time I have to offer it actually. Um, but I know it needs to be part of it needs to be part of my schedule, and my own practice of it needs to be ongoing um mm-hmm. and so to think about offering it to other people like just those two things are a lot actually, like having <laughs> the homeschool piece and the parenting piece and then your own practice like that's taken me sixteen years to get to this point like um not that i've arrived but that i feel like i know that this is what i want to do and i'm willing to work my schedule out and my commitments to my family and my kids around it um that was a long time for me i had you know i had hobbies all along but um this one has just risen to the top as something i'm just it just checks so many boxes for who i am Mm. um so offering the nature journaling to other people came first as like a a request um, I have taught art classes before and I've taught science classes before and so just combining them um, there were people that that just said hey can you show me how you, how you did that or what's that about and at first I was just like well here's like there's all this stuff on the internet that's you know available to you so just learn it there like that's what <laughs> that's the best way um there's so many amazing people um just being able to offer their resources online but um but one part of it that i really have grown to love as i've kind of tried to do a little bit with my kids and and been part of i've been on some of the calls that john muir laws offers um and just the community aspect of those gatherings and and being part of the wild wonder conference i participated in that last summer the community aspect of it just really gets me excited and Mm -hmm. i i want that for myself like more than i have right now and so part of me offering the workshops and and starting um the nature journal club here in my city is selfishly for me like I want I want people to be around and enjoying things and learning together Um, and so I'm willing to take some steps to to put into that to help it start because I couldn't find I couldn't find it there is the natural history group Um, there are um, there's amazing things going on at the universities here for research and but there isn't a like a non like kind of a non-academic layperson mm-hmm. entryway to just socially um do this together so that's that's kind of what's been behind it um is my you know I have a little bit of time because my kids are older I want the community for myself and and I enjoy just seeing other people catch on to it and I truly think that it's like holistically good for everybody like I don't need to be convinced that i just know it's good for everyone it's good to be outside it's good to use your brain it's good to be with other people it's good to just sit and observe and be quiet and so all of those things um i think are really attractive um and so it seems like an easy an easy product to to, you know get people to to enjoy so i hope that it grows um just taking my small steps to make myself known, I guess, and to try mm-hmm. to do a little bit of background education, work on what it what it is, what is nature journaling and why would we do it? And um, so that's kind of the stage I'm in right now.
0: Yeah. And so you've started the Abu Dhabi Nature Journal Club and I'd love to know about this experience and how it felt and maybe for people who, look around and don't see a club in their city what would you say about just making one for yourself what was that experience like
1: that was um I mean similar like I I'm I'm kind of selfishly motivated (laughs) to create a community for myself but I think just having the interactions with the Nature Journal Club online um Mm -hmm. through the through John Muir website and there's a calendar of all these things going on and realizing that it is nice to do things online with people, but it's, it is totally, it's a totally different experience to be face to face and the, the level of, of time and like intimacy that you can, that you can create and the amount of information, I guess, even that you can learn together is so much greater. Um, so I think that's why I, was more willing to say, I just, I do want to do this. I don't really know how Mm -hmm. I have limited time. Um, And John Muir also, um, he has resources for how to start these things. And I just kind of followed Mm -hmm. those, the lists of directions he has on his website. And he, Mm -hmm. he emailed me personally too, and just said here, like, I'm, I'm excited. Let me know if I can help. And um, so he, I mean, he's amazing. He's a resource for all of us in all different ways. Um, but yeah, I guess thinking about other people that might want, that are thinking about it or that they don't have one that they participate in, I I would just say, don't be afraid to start small. Like I'm still, I'm only yes. the what the events that I've had so far have only had a few people come and um, mm. and that feels right and, and normal and probably just what I can handle anyway right now. <laughs> and so, um but it does i feel like by the the nature of it it is it is probably something that will start small because it's mm-hmm. it's so personal um and yeah so i'm i'm excited that there's lots of room to grow
0: this is beautiful i'm so excited for you and just the idea of connecting with a, a community a new community as well like mm-hmm. when you're i know that you've been there for many years but um you know, just opening up more community in, in your life really cements you in a place as well.
1: Yeah. And it feels like I'm offering more of like who I am. Like there's a part of moving to a new place and especially a new culture, um, where you do a lot like, and maybe even just, uh, my personality is I am an observer. And so a lot of our first years here, I was learning and, and not, I. I didn't forget about myself, but there's a part that you, you just want to know how you fit in and how you, um, what parts of you are, are going to be valued here, and what parts of you are mm. maybe misunderstood, or there's all mm. those new things. Um, it's like I. It's kind of like a you know, like a middle school, junior high student, you know, <laughs> going to a, the first day of school or something. It has yeah. that kind of flavor sometimes, but um yeah i think it's it's been really special for for me to just feel like this this is definitely part of who i am and and it's definitely across cultures good for everybody and so it feels exciting to to make that connection after so many years of just wondering like you know there's a transient nature uh to especially to our city and our region there are a lot of expats that live here just for a few years and then they go and so that whole dynamic is a bit challenging too to, for community yeah. in general mm. um, but but yeah I I think it's been a, it's it's just a, a great part of my my journey
0: mm. tell me about how nature journaling and stewardship are connected for you
1: I think, I mean, it's been said before many times that like the, you'll, if you love something, you'll take care of it. That, that idea. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's made sense to me. I think since I was a child that like, just, it just makes sense. And uh, there's like gardening analogies, I guess too, like my parents were gardeners of flowers and vegetables. My dad still, um, is getting ready now to to do those kind of things at spring where he lives, so I think just having that modeled for me, like tending a, a piece of land, um, learning about, I guess, history. Like I was, I was really intrigued by a lot of indigenous cultures too from North America when I was small. Just loved reading about their connection to the land and, um, and so there's something really special about that, that I feel like is kind of innate, or um, what's the word, like an instinct for us as humans Mm -hmm. to, we need to be connected to the land for for survival (laughs) purposes. Um, But now that we have, you know, all these other things helping us to survive, there's, there's still, uh, I think, a part of us that we need to keep coming back to that that feeling that we get when we're feeling peace and we're feeling like we made something grow or we're watching something grow um and so it makes sense to me that paying attention to things will will lead you to to want to take care of it um and i have experienced that um especially with the there was a experience we had here with a beach cleanup um where there's a, a really um, small, just quiet spot that's near this channel. So it's it's seawater, but it's and it's it's been dug out by machines, but it's natural in some ways, and it feels natural to us because it's not a park. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we have gone there, especially during the lockdown times. We would go um, and just be out, and the boys could splash around, and um, people could you know stay far apart. There are other people sitting by the water. But this, because people sit by the water and have barbecues, there's often a lot of trash um, at this one place. And so it's, it's a big problem. I mean, everywhere, but it's a problem here too with litter and just the disconnect, I guess, of enjoying this beautiful Mm -hmm. spot and not, um, not picking up after yourself, even if there's a bin or like a um, thing. So, so there are the environmental agency here in our city, um, sponsored several beach cleanups and we just felt like this one's going to be right in our neighborhood we we need to go like this is the place where we have sat and where we have experienced some pretty neat things and it's it's just a good chance to to be part of the effort and the community that's um that's going to join so it was interesting the people we met there were not necessarily people that lived there some people weren't even um had never even been to sit at that spot, but they had heard about it from you know Instagram or from the social media links because they're already connected to what the environmental um, authority, uh, the environmental agency is doing. And so it was a it was a neat group of people to get to know and get to do that with, um, and it was a good modeling experience for our kids too yeah
0: yes I was going to say that it's wonderful, wonderful thing for kids to be involved in to to model that for them yeah mm. so from looking at your journal pages online i I get the feeling that asking questions seems to be a really big part of your nature journal practice and I wonder if you could talk a little about the the importance of questions and curiosity for you
1: when I think about um questions. I, the first word that comes into my mind is freedom. Like, I just feel like there's mm. so much freedom in being able to ask questions and not have answers. And I think, I mean, my personality, I'm pretty detail oriented and I'm pretty, not like a warrior, but like cynical. Like I have a lot of what ifs in my head all the time. <laughs> um <laughs> and so that part of it i feel like asking those kind of questions is maybe not the healthiest form but asking questions about things that are are around us that are like outside of our heads or whatever that just feels so freeing to me to be able to just wonder about things and not have to you know be the expert or the the smartest person i think i've grown into that again by by being a parent and wanting my kids to not always worry about answers, like go through the process of thinking and wondering and, and then the creative answers that come up, like, especially when they're like three and four, and you just ask them, they just have the most amazing answers to things you never would have thought of, and just wanting them not to lose that. Um, Yes. So I think I've grown in in my personal um, life as a parent, just in that regard to asking questions. And I I also have noticed how it, in terms of like community or learning, like peer learning, it really gels people together when people are discovering things together, when there's like an even playing field, I guess. And it's hard to establish that sometimes. Like I think of different different jobs I've had or different groups I've been part of um, um, that, you know that communication, those styles of communication, sometimes that don't foster asking questions can be really difficult um, for me personally, and I think for for everyone. Um, so questions, I think, are yeah, kind of a a way to free myself up and um, in a in a positive way. <laughs> I love this.
0: I love this. Never been described to me like that like questions are a form of freedom but it's beautiful and freedom from having to know the answer freedom from having to search for the answer just Mm -hmm. freedom to uh, yeah I guess I've never thought of it like that I mean when you describe the 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 questions or even the explanations that kids can come up with it it has real parallels with the child's ability to be creative and just throw things out there throw ideas out there and I I love that image and that we can, we, I mean, we talk quite a bit about like freeing up in art and creativity, but freeing up in questioning, freeing up in just like wondering and being curious is, is yeah. a whole nother arm of this, isn't it?
1: Yeah. And I love when people ask me those kind of like open-ended questions. Um, not like what was the answer to that, but like, what, yes. what would it look like if this happened or what would it look like if, you did this or so, yeah, those are just really helpful ways to to look at life in general, I think.
0: Absolutely. What natural discoveries have you been exploring lately in your nature journal?
1: This month I have paid a little bit more attention to the moon Mm. because it's the month of Ramadan here and they begin the month, but it's a lunar, it's a lunar festival of sorts. So it's a lunar calendar and they search for the moon in the sky and announce that this is the beginning of the month. And this is when they'll begin their fast. And, and also for the ending, they'll, they'll search for the moon to know when their, their feast day is the Eid. And so I realized that I, I've taught my kids some astronomy things. Like we've had books and things that I've, just never delved into the moon. And so I've just been learning to the different ways you can chart the moon and um, pay attention to its, its shape and the angle on the horizon and when it rises and when it sets. And that's been fascinating. And I hope to do more of that um, there. The, also the date palm is everywhere here. Um, and then dates are a huge part of the culture and especially Mm -hmm. during Ramadan the dates are the first thing that most people use to break their fast when the sun sets um there's there's all kinds of um spiritual meaning attached to that and health benefits and things like that so just taking a closer look at these trees that everyone walks by all the time um they're everywhere I've just been trying to observe different patterns in them and things I didn't notice before and how they're pollinated like there's a male and female mm-hmm. trees which I didn't know um, until a couple of years ago and so yeah just just the things that I I see a lot of like the moon and the sky <laughs> and the date palms mm-hmm. but also just kind of being I it's like a part for me just kind of being part of the, the the activity and the the meaning of this month for our friends here those are two natural connections that I made and decided to do some journaling about. I also did your sky scapito, um, workshop <laughs> from Wild Wonder. Like that, it was last week or two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, I did it, and because I was thinking of the sky, and I loved your presentation of you know the sky is always there. The sky is always yes with us, and you had yeah just beautiful demonstration of your watercolor techniques. So those are some things. Yeah, the sky, date palms, the moon. I love that I love that description of how
0: you know culture and nature are a part of each other and it's beautiful to yeah to sit with those observations and to just to watch how those those things are one and the same really yeah Molly it's been amazing to talk to you thank you so much for joining me on the
1: podcast thank you Bethan it was amazing
0: I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Molly. One precious part of doing this podcast is that I have the chance to learn about different places around the world. It's the reason why I often ask my guests to describe what they see when they step outside. I knew almost nothing about the United Arab Emirates, and it was amazing to listen to Molly describe the seashore and the desert and the mountains and the parks that her family visits. I was really interested also in Molly's association between questions and freedom. The freedom to let her mind wander and being able to ask questions without needing to know the answers. As Molly said, some environments really don't foster this sort of free-range question asking, but nature journaling does, and questioning the world around us and learning together, it really brings people closer in a community. I love what Molly's doing in her city. If you'd like to know more about Molly and her work, you can visit the show notes for this episode, where you'll find links to her website and Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. See you next week.